I praise the Lord. It's time for the Word of God. Do you know that the Bible says the Word of God is healing and health to our bodies? You know, the Word of God is active and alive. This is why it's so important to receive the Word of God, to feed on the Word of God. You know, some time ago, I remember this goes back a couple of decades, actually. I was a younger Christian at the time. And I was saying to the Lord, I'm, I can win over a lot of things, but there are certain things that really I battle with. And, he, and I wanted to, ask, uh, to say to the Lord, but why is that? And he said to me, you're not feeding enough. You're not strong enough in the spirit because you're not feeding the word into your spirit. You know, just like natural food is necessary for your body. If you don't feed your body, you won't be strong. The same goes for your spirit. What gets your spirit strong is an injection of the Word of God on a regular basis. So, praise God, and we're going to continue with the theme uh, that we started uh, last week, which is Church Powerful. And uh, I, I spoke about a couple of things by way of laying a platform, uh, an introduction, if you want, in terms of who are we? We are the church of a living God on this earth, and by the way, if you didn't manage to watch the live stream last week or catch up during the week, please do so because last week's message was a foundation on which we're going to keep building for the next couple of weeks because this is a time for church powerful to arise. This is a time for the church to go to another level. And so I'm going to be teaching along those lines and... Uh, we spoke about who we are, the church of the living God, and what is our purpose. Our purpose is to, to, to walk in the shoes of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and he said, for this purpose was the Son of Man made manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. And let me say to you, church, you can look around. The works of darkness are everywhere to be seen. And it's increasing on a continuous basis. And so I'm going to pick up from there. And uh, where we left last week, and I said, God never created the earth to be in the state that it is today. Never. A state of chaos. Corruption is rife all over. A state of evil. All of that is a result of sin that came into, into the world. And so our purpose is to do our best within our sphere of influence to destroy these outcomes of sin wherever possible and bring forth the outcomes of godliness into a world that needs it so badly. And I said to you as we close last week, we are to continue what Jesus began 2,000 years ago until he comes again. And one of the things I spoke about is this word church. You know, we get very confused about the church. That word church in Greek is the word ecclesia. It means the gathering of the people. It means a grouping of the people of God. And so Jesus said this, and that's where I left last week with that scripture, Matthew 16, verse 18. He said, and I also say to you that you are Peter. He was speaking to Peter. And on this rock, I will build my ecclesia. I will build my gathering. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You see, when I read that scripture and meditate on it, 
I begin to understand that he was preparing an entity that was going to contend for something. I will build my church, my gathering, my entity. The entity of the Lord Jesus Christ is his church. I will build my church, my ecclesia, for a purpose, to contend for something. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You see, he was intending to birth a group of people. And today, the enemy through the pandemic and the lockdown and all the media and all the fear is locking down the church. But how many of you know, no matter what the devil tries, he shall not win. The church will still arise if you and I receive and understand who we are and for what purpose we are on this earth. So Jesus was intending to, to birth a group of people, a gathering of people that was going to be strong and powerful enough to be able to resist the gates of hell itself and prevail over it. Wow. Do you know how powerful you are? Do you know that if you are a believer in Christ, you have power over the enemy? You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the living God. That's the purpose. That's the intention of God. And that's why he intended to birth a gathering, a grouping of people called the church and ecclesia that was strong enough to be able to resist the gates of hell and prevail over it. You see, Jesus was concerned about only one thing. If you watch his ministry, you will realize he was concerned about one thing alone, and that is to regain the territory that the devil had taken and corrupted. You know, the devil's been working on this earth since Adam's fall, and he's generating on, on an ongoing basis corruption of what God intended. He corrupts everything. Do you know where he started his corruption? In the mind of Eve. When he tempted her, he started to corrupt her belief system. She, she had, up to the point when he spoke to her, she had believed that God had said, don't touch this fruit, this tree, don't eat of it in the middle of a garden because you shall surely die. And the devil came and he corrupted that belief system. He came and he said, what? Did God Say something like that to you? No. Are you sure you understood? You know, the devil is a brainwasher. He will brainwash you. He will not give up until you say, get behind me, Satan. This is what Jesus said to Peter. Peter said to him, you can't go to the cross. No, man, you can't leave us. You can't, you can't die. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Because the devil will corrupt your mind. This is why we need to renew our mind on the Word of God. He will corrupt your mind. He will corrupt your thoughts. He will corrupt your belief system. He will warp it. He will change it. So that you stop believing what God says and you begin to believe what the devil says. And that's what happened. That's when the first seed of corruption was sowed into mankind. Did God say? In other words, are you sure that you understood his word? You know, this happens to us very often. I was, through the years, I've been speaking to different people, especially religious people, who have no understanding of the word of God. They, they, they begin to corrupt the word. They say, God didn't create. No, man, this is, you're, you're not interpreting it well. He didn't mean that. 
Did Jonah, was he swallowed by whale? Surely not. I mean, that doesn't make sense, does it? He meant something else. You see, that's what the devil does all the time. And so through all these years since the fall of Adam, he's been corrupting the earth, sowing the seeds of corruption, twisting the truth for his own benefit. And the world is in that state today, having been affected, affected sorry, for all these years. And so Jesus was concerned to turn that boat around, turn that ship around, regain the territory that the devil had taken and corrupted, and restore it back to what his father had intended it to be. A world of harmony, a world of peace, a world of love, a, loved, a world where everyone has a relationship. You know, God wants every man to be saved. Not just a few. God loves the world. That's why he gave Jesus. But the devil's corrupted that. He's corrupted it to a large degree. So Jesus was concerned about regaining that territory. And in order to do that, he did two things. The first one is, he went to the cross in order to destroy the power of sin and destroy the power of death through his resurrection. Do you know that the result of sin is death? So when you kill sin, you kill spiritual death. Amen? In fact, to be quite honest, even physical death came as a result of sin. Adam and Eve were not at the beginning. Yes, God made them. But they ne God never intended for them to die. And one day we're going to live forever. God will restore back his original creation. And so it is that the, the devil has corrupted even that. And so Jesus went to the cross. That's the first thing he did to destroy the power of sin and to destroy the power of death through his resurrection. The second reason why he went to the cross is to establish this entity called his church. Hallelujah. And he equipped and he empowered it to accomplish the task of regaining the territory that had been lost when sin came in through Adam and Eve. Can you say amen to that? He went to the cross for that purpose so that he could restore anointing, power, godliness, belief, faith, healing, health, all of these things, so that the church rises and flows in all of these things and much more throughout this earth. He said, the same works that I've done, you will also do even greater works. Hallelujah. We still have to see those days. They are still to come. You see, often we have a vision of a church that is only concerned about the post-death experience. You know, some of you speak to many Christians, especially in the religious world, and they're more concerned about, if I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Most of them are not even sure. But they're concerned about the post-death experience. They're not too concerned about what's happening now. And... It's not good to just have this as a vision. This is something we are assured if you're a believer, if Jesus Christ has come into your life and you are a born-again believer, spirit-filled, you don't even have to think twice. When you die, you will be in heaven for eternity. 
But now we have to concern ourselves about what's going on here in this world. That is taken care of. The, 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 uh, the post-death experience is already taken care of. I don't have to worry about this. I'm not anxious. I know one thing about, about my Christian life. If I had to die today, I will be in heaven, absent in the body, present with God in an instant. So that's settled. I don't have to worry about this anymore. But what I have to be concerned about is to occupy myself with the work of Jesus in this world. Hallelujah. We need to understand that the people of God in this earth have a task of continuing the work of Jesus until he comes again. We have been allocated that responsibility and to continue what Jesus began. Amen? We need to occupy with Jesus' work till he comes. You know, many Christians are happy to just come to church on a Sunday and uh, have a good time, praise and worship, and good, uh, listen to a good message, and get, get prayer for their needs, and so on and so on. But during the week, they do nothing. Nothing for Jesus. They go to work, they go back home, and then next Sunday they're in church. Sometimes, in the U.S., people go to church once a month. It's, it's a terrible thing. Now we've been locked down, obviously. It's been a problem. But we as believers who mean business with God need to be in church Sunday after Sunday. As long as church is open, I shall be in church. What about you? But then during the week, you come to church. Why? To receive the anointing. You come to church to be built up. You come to church to receive a word of encouragement so that during the week you can impact this world with the love and the power of Christ that is in you. God has put people around you that need you. You know, sometimes we don't realize this. Why do I exist? What is my purpose? Well, it's put you in an environment. It could be your workplace. It could be your home. It could be wherever it is. God has put you there for a reason. You know, I spent 14 years working for Standard Bank before I came into full-time ministry. But I want to tell you, from day one, I started a ministry right there in town, in Superblock, where we were not allowed to. Well, we did it in a way that didn't offend anybody. We got permission. We didn't trespass the rules of the bank. But for 14 years, we had ministry going five days a week during lunchtime. If God can use me, he can use you. What are you doing in, in your workplace? I'm not saying you must go and Bible bash people, no. But you can do one thing. You can begin to pray for your colleagues. You can begin to pray for your boss. You can begin to pray for those who are around you. They don't even have to know that you are praying for them. You know, some people say, but I don't have a place to pray. Well, I use the toilet. Close the door. Nice. Quiet. Nobody knows I'm praying. Amen. They think I've just gone to the loo. Oh, no, no, no. I'm praying. I've got my Bible with me. God doesn't mind if you read your Bible in the loo. Amen. Come on now. Can you do something for Jesus? Begin to pray for those who are around you. And let me tell you, 14 years of prayer, of, of ministry in the business environment, we saw hundreds and hundreds of people give their heart to Jesus. So we need to occupy with Jesus' work till he comes. We need to occupy. 
What was the work of Jesus? <laughs> John summarized it very well in one of his letters to the church. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. He describes the work of Jesus, his ministry. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Do you know Jesus said, you are the light of the world? You are the light. Do you know if you bring a candle in a dark place, what happens? Light begins to flow all over. You, just, you don't need a mega, mega light to destroy darkness. Just one globe is enough. You are the light of the world. Wherever you go, you bring the light of Christ. But it's not just a matter of being passive. Begin by just praying for your colleagues. You don't even have to talk to them. I've had so many experiences like this, beginning to pray for someone. Next thing, they come and talk to me. And they begin to, to ask me about the Lord and whatever. And I'm able to minister to them. Why? Because as you pray, the Holy Spirit begins to work in their hearts. And you know, one of the, the people, when I was still working at the bank, one day he came and spoke to me, he was an unbeliever. He said, I want to join the Freemasons. And I told him, listen, not a good thing to do. But he didn't believe me. And so he didn't really connect with me because he couldn't understand. But you know what? The impact of my life over him was so great that when I resigned from the bank and the day I left, he came to me. He said, Michel, I want to carry your suitcase, your briefcase, to your car. I, I, my heart melted. I couldn't believe this was the man. But I prayed for him. I shared the word with him. What he does with it is his business. But this touched him so much. My life, he must have been observing me also through the years because we were working in the same environment for a number of years. He said, I'm going to carry your briefcase to your car. And the reason is because what he saw in me impacted his life. What about you? Jesus impacted millions of people. He's still impacting people today, 2,000 years later. If God can use me, he can use you. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. You see, the first Adam, that's Adam in the Garden of Eden, he was the one through whom the works of the devil began to be established on this earth. God, uh, sorry, the devil sowed the seed through Eve onto Adam. And through Adam, sin came into the earth. But the second Adam, Jesus Christ, is the one through whom the works of the devil began to be destroyed on this earth. Hallelujah. Yes, God gave the law and so on and so on and so on. But it is only through the cross that the final blow to the devil took place. And you can read that in the book of Colossians. I don't have time to go through this today. It is through the cross that the devil was crushed and destroyed once and for all. The second Adam and the second Adam, Jesus Christ, is, is, is the one in whose footsteps we are meant to follow. We are meant to occupy as a church powerful, continuing to do his own the works that Jesus did, even greater works. You see, the church is meant to take over from Jesus and continue the, that process. 
and become an agent of restoration of godliness in the earth. You know, there are many Christians who have a foot in the kingdom of God, a foot in the kingdom of the world. You can't serve God like this. I'm not saying you must be perfect tomorrow. No, that's not what I'm saying. But you've got to ask the Spirit of God to empower you so that as time goes, you reflect more of Jesus, more of the Spirit rather than the flesh. We have to face one reality. We have not, as a church of a living God, done a good job of this. That is to destroy the works of darkness around us and so on. And there are many reasons why the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has, in a sense, somewhat failed in, his, in its mission. But you know what? The purposes of God for the church has not changed. Whether we fail or not, God's purpose is to use this entity, this powerful entity that he has anointed and equipped to destroy the works of darkness in the earth. And so his purposes still remains intact. Now, how many of you know that in order for hell itself and what it has to offer not to be able to prevail against us, we have to be spiritually powerful? Can you say amen to that? Why? Because we are dealing with the world of a spirit. I can put this in another way. In order for us to prevail against hell itself, we have to be spiritually powerful. Amen. And I said to you before, we have to step into the domain of a supernatural. You can't fight the devil in the natural. You have to step into the domain of a supernatural because we are dealing with a supernatural realm, the domain of the spirit. So today I'm suggesting to you that we have to become spiritually powerful if we are to prevail against the forces of spiritual darkness. Can't do that in the physical. You can't. And those forces of spiritual darkness are developing and gaining ter territory in the world at an alarming rate. All you have to do is watch what's going on in the world. You'll see our darkness is just creeping in and creeping in. I'm talking of spiritual darkness. It's creeping in at an alarming rate. The minute you become a Christian, you become a target of the enemy. And if he can, he will eliminate you. That's if he could. But you know what? God doesn't allow him to do that. The way that the enemy chooses to eliminate us in the main is by enticing us to, become, to remain carnal Christians. Christians, yes, but carnal in behavior. That's how the enemy eliminates us in the main. What I mean by that is that even though we have given our lives to the Lord, we still continue to function in the domain of carnality or the flesh. The Bible calls it the flesh. And as a result, we become incapacitated spiritually. We have little or no spiritual power manifest through our lives. You see, the Bible says the flesh is at enmity with, God, with the spirit. The two are opposite ends of a stick, so to speak. You can't mix them. It's like trying to mix water and oil. That will never work. So God intends his church to put down the flesh. And it's, you, you can read it so many times in the Bible. Put off these things. Put on these things. Paul writes, put off 
these things. Put on these things. Amen. God intends his church to make a decision to put down the flesh so that the spirit can rise and it can become the powerful entity that he intends it to become. And so stop feeding the flesh. Feed your spirit through prayer, spending time with God, putting the word of God into your heart on a daily basis. The more you do that, the more powerful your spirit will become, the stronger it will become, the more you'll be able to rise above the works of darkness. Not only in your own life, but also in those around you. You see, God has already done his part in order for us to become spiritually powerful. There's nothing outstanding from his side. He's done it all. Jesus has gone to the cross. He's destroyed the power of the devil. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's made it all available to us free of charge. We have everything we need at our disposal in order to become church powerful. And that is what God intends for every single one of us.